This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everybody. A search has begun, and no, not here in Alaska, not with law enforcement of state or city departments, but of the FBI and former President Donald J. Trump. This happened yesterday. Welcome. Happy Tuesday, August 9th. Tom Steigelman is out. You've got me, yours truly, solo today, and we'll take your calls as well. I'd love your thoughts on this Trump Mar-a-Lago raid. 357-5868. Stephen will take your call. 907-357-5868. I know conservatives are, some at least are livid, and Democrats are celebrating, and the left of center is happy. The search appears to signal a major escalation in the various investigations that are going on against Trump and his presidency. New York Times reports that that yesterday the FBI searched Trump's Palm Beach, Florida home, broken up a safe, went into an account and and systems and such, uh, signaling that, that he basically is going to be the subject of multiple stages of investigation. And they're looking at the final, speaking of stages of his presidency, the search, according to multiple people familiar with the investigation, appeared to focus on material that Trump had brought with him to Mar-a-Lago, his private club and residence, when he left the White House. Remember, he made a big stink about New York. I don't blame him. And he relocated to Florida. Those boxes contain many pages of classified documents according to a person familiar with their contents. New York Times reports that Trump delayed returning 15 boxes of material requested by officials with the National Archives for many months, only doing so when there became a threat of action to retrieve them. The search marked the latest remarkable turn in the long-running investigations into Trump. And that's from the New York Times. Morning Brew covers it as well, talks about the raid, talks about Trump's comments. He had a lengthy statement last night. He said that his beautiful home is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. They even broke into my safe, he said. He was at Trump Tower in New York City when this happened. According to multiple news outlets, it was connected to Trump's mishandling of classified documents, both the FBI and the Department of Justice claiming the same, but they declined to comment on the actual raid. In January, the National Archives and Records Administration traveled to Palm Beach. That's when they got those 15 boxes of documents that Trump had brought with him to Mar-a-Lago after leaving the White House. Some of the documents were labeled classified and others were considered 
top secret. That's according to the Washington Post. Now, a top secret designation, what does that mean? Well, typically it means the content could be expected to cause exceptionally grave damage to national security if it's leaked to the public. That's at least what the Archives Information Security Oversight Office says. Now, back in April, the Department of Justice reportedly began taking steps to investigate Trump, this per the morning brew, and that was over these documents. They're like, hey, what did you take, and were you supposed to take them? Since the Presidential Records Act of 1978, when a president leaves the White House, there was a requirement that he or she hand over, we've only had he's, it would be nice to see a female president someday, to hand over all official communications to the National Archives. Now, Trump never appeared interested in keeping paper around. Officials said that he often, like, would rip up things. He would rip up documents that later had to be taped together. His former press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, confirmed to CNN last night. She said, I watched him go through documents. Sometimes he'd throw them away. Sometimes he'd rip them up. Sometimes he would put them in his pocket. Now, conservatives, as I mentioned earlier, are ticked off. They're irate at this. Some top Republicans called the raid politically motivated. It probably is, considering the timing before a lot of primary elections. I don't know if it is or not, though. I don't know how those things work, if they're that planned out and and assiduously detailed. But the DOJ and the FBI are being accused of undermining Trump. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy told Attorney General Merrick Garland, by the way, I was pausing there because I just got a text that said Trump's home was raided, but I think it's a, let me look here. Someone just texted that. I think it's a, I think it's a solicitation. Uh, This is dangerous, unprecedented. I don't know who's texting that to me. So it must be from a Republican or from a, probably from a Trump origination. So, What's happening here? Like I mentioned, the the conservatives are ticked off. Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, he said, believe it or not, he told Attorney General Merrick Garland, he said, preserve your documents, clear your calendar. He's suggesting, I suppose, that they're going to go after DOJ should the GOP, should the Republicans take back the House this fall. Others warned of potential political violence in the streets over the raid. I don't know about that. I don't think people are going to be that defensive of Trump. No one willingly goes to South Florida in August. So (laughs) bottom line from Morning Brew, federal investigators must have felt a sense of urgency in their probe. In order to obtain a search warrant, by the way, the FBI had to convince a federal judge that there's probable cause a crime was committed, a prime crime and that proof could be found at that particular location. That's kind of scary because this hasn't happened, to my knowledge, ever with, an, with a sitting, I guess maybe with Nixon, but with a, with a former president. Let's go with former president. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's politically motivated? Do you think Trump, with his bravado, broke the law? Do you think that he violated the law when he grabbed top secret documents? Do you think that he did it overtly with calculation or did, do you think he did it ignorantly? 
And just because that's his ego. And he said, I'll take what I want. I'm the former president, still the president. I'm packing up my things. I, I want to take this top secret document. That's felonious. It's, it's a serious issue. So what would happen then? Well, what if he was convicted and lost? Would he go to prison or would a president uh, exonerate him or at least pardon him? Man, there's a lot of things here. Scary time. Stay with us. What are your thoughts? Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. It's after the hour. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show. We are on 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Happy to have you with us from Matsu to Anchorage, live and local. So we have an FBI raid of Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. It could have a profound effect on voters. Jonathan Turley thinks that. He talks with Fox and Friends this morning about what happened and gives his two cents. How is this going to affect forthcoming elections? He's a constitutional law expert. Let's go to Fox News and Jonathan Turley's interview. A law expert, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. So why a search warrant instead of a subpoena? That's a mystery to me. I'm not too sure why, unless they were alleging that they feared that the president would destroy the evidence if he was given notice. But the president wasn't at the residence. This would seem to be an easy issue to issue a subpoena and ask for voluntary disclosure and also access to the site. The access to the home was granted, obviously, before, two months ago. Uh, the National Archives searched the residence and removed 15 boxes. It's not clear why this material was not removed. It's also not clear if there's been communication since then uh, raising concern over documents that are considered still missing or possibly present at the residence. Sure. You know, uh, Professor, given the fact that this is you know, a former president, something like this has never happened before. Of course, the, the FBI can't just run in willy nilly. They had to go in front of a judge and they had to present evidence to suggest probable cause. And the judge signed off on it. And it, it makes you think that the FBI and the DOJ knew exactly what they were looking for. And it makes you wonder whether or not somebody perhaps in uh, Donald Trump's inner circle or somebody else close to the former president may have told them exactly what to look for and exactly where it was. Yeah, there has to be particularity in terms right. of these applications. Uh, they have to be specific. The court clearly found uh, probable cause that there there would be classified uh, material still at the residence. Uh, so that much we can assume. There is a law that allows for punishment up to three years for concealing or retaining these types of documents. But that is a specific intent crime. Uh, it's not a negligent standard. You have to show that, in this case, President Trump 
or some other individual specifically intended to withhold such material. We just don't know what the evidence is at this point. Right. Uh, but those are going to be part of the questions being asked uh, as we go forward. Professor, it is common for former political appointees as well as federal officials to go back and forth on these records when they decide to go back to public life. I think a lot of Americans have questions concerning why there was such a heavy hand approach toward Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton when we know for a fact there were certain records that were destroyed, that were under scrutiny. So do you have an explanation for that? Yeah, I just testified on the Presidential Records Act and this specific uh, seizure of those 15 boxes back in February. This is a, a an act that is not heavily enforced. It certainly has not historically been criminally enforced. Uh, in fact, some of the most egregious cases were handled rather lightly. Uh, Sandy Berger being an example, he actually stuffed documents in his socks mm -hmm. Uh, and <laughs> snuck them out of a secure location, right. leaving them at a spot to be retrieved later. Uh, he received no jail time and just pled guilty to a misdemeanor. Uh, he wasn't even uh, uh, forced to lose his security clearance permanently. It was just a three-year suspension. So this is a, a, an act that is not known for robust criminal uh, enforcement. So that does raise these questions as to uh, this all-hands-on-deck raid that occurred. Yeah. yeah, it appears that we're in different times now. Would he be banned from public office if he's found guilty? According to the Daily Mail, if he is found guilty, Trump could face a maximum sentence of three years in prison. What is the motivation here? Well, first of all, that was raised first by yeah, uh, Mark Elias. We could Elias, turn it down from there, Stephen. I don't think that's going to happen. And we could, this is about a 14-minute clip, but it gives you an idea. While we're on Fox News, by the way, I want to go to one other clip on China and retired General Kellogg talking about biggest threat in the last 50 years, and I would agree. But I caught that on Fox, and since we're on that that website, why not? Yeah, we'll take your calls if you think this is politically motivated or not. 907-357-5868. Otherwise, let's bounce over, Stephen, to Fox News' coverage with Keith Kellogg, retired general, and the dialogue about China. And 50-plus years, it truly is our biggest threat. And it's not Russia. It's not Iran. It's not... South Korea, China, and they're on our tails for economy and for size and for military and for everything, if not in some areas and in, in, in lanes larger than the United States in production, certainly with, with computer chips and with rare earth elements and things of that nature that we depend on them for. So let's go to Fox News on China. Kellogg is former National Security Advisor for President Trump and Vice President Pence. Good to have you here. So here's, I just want to read this um, to you that they said, the foreign minister, that China has used the drills to prepare for this invasion of Taiwan. Do you think that's what they're doing? Hi, Dana, and thanks for having me this morning. The answer, short answer is yes. Mm. Look, I, we look at China, and we should look at China as the greatest threat we faced in the last 50 years. When you look at China, it's an adversary economically, politically, and militarily led by a very authoritarian president and President Xi, and they've clearly got Taiwan in their crosshairs. This is a crisis that's going to grow over the next two years. And why I say the next two years is I believe that President Xi believes this is an opportunity within the next two years to actually accomplish something with Taiwan uh, because I think he sees the president being weak when it comes to international relations and national security. So the, the will of a nation is 
basically encapsulated by the leader of that nation, be it President Xi in China or President uh, Biden in the United States of America. And if they say weakness, see weakness, they're going to react on that weakness. And I think well, that's something we need to fear. There are three ways you can counter this. You can counter it economically, say sanctions. You can, you can uh, push back militarily by putting more carrier battle groups in the Pacific. We only have one right now in the Pacific, in the Seventh Fleet, that's USS Ronald Reagan. Or more importantly, and I think this is the one that's key, is politically. Does it take risk? Of course it does. But this is the time, maybe after 50 years, you pick up the phone, you call President Xi and said, you know, this one China policy that we started with the Shanghai communique in 1972 is isn't working. You know, we're going to recognize Taiwan as a nation. It's a democratic nation, 23 million people. We're going back to a two-China policy. Is there risk? Of course there is. But if we don't do something in those three areas and react very strongly, I think you see China is going to react and try to take Taiwan under its umbrella. How do you describe the um, America's national interest in doing any of those three things that you just talked about, yeah. especially number three? Well, look, the reason why it's in our national interest is we have always been a Pacific power, you know, based from, from World War II on. And that is a critical area for us to concentrate on. And we need to push back on China becoming a regional power because our allies are looking at us. Japan is looking at us. The Philippines is looking at us. Vietnam is looking at us. Australia is looking at us. And if they see us moving back, moving away from China because of a fear of China, then they will gravitate more towards China. And most of the trade, over half the trade of the world, goes through the South China Sea, and it's in the, in the Pacific area. We cannot afford to give up any of that territory, land, or influence. If we do that, we're going to hurt ourselves economically, obviously militarily, and also with the alliance. When I, I listen to you, and I hear that loud and clear, and it makes sense to me. Mm. But has President Biden ever articulated such a thing to the American people? Mm. It's almost as if we talk about Taiwan, but just kind of on the periphery. We don't really want to deal with it. Our policy is a little bit unclear. Yeah. It's the one China policy. It's not. But we, what you just laid out, if that's what President Biden believed, he could say that to the American people. Do you think he would ever do that? No, I don't. But here's why. Look, look at the national security strategy of the United States of America. It's still an interim national security strategy. You are, by law, by Goldwater-Nichols, you are supposed to have a national security strategy published every single year, which lays out the vital interests of a nation. We still have an interim national security strategy under Biden. He hasn't put one out. So we yeah, don't know what the Biden national You can crank the are. general down, Stephen. No, this is a big deal that I continue to weave through the narrative of what's going on globally and internationally so you understand. Most of you are probably news talk wonks. Most of you are educated. Most of you are insightful. Most of you read the news. Even if you just listen to my show, you have a perspective. Well, you know, what's going on? Brexit or United Nations or NATO and, you know, with Finland joining or what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. We touched on that forever. Or Space and the space station and Russia leaving it or or China and the way they are bullies in, you know, with Taiwan or with the Philippines or with North Korea saber rattling and firing off missiles and threatening in Japan and South Korea concern and Guantanamo Bay and the immigration and the, you know, the border and and rioting in Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis and and the Black Lives Movement and, and law enforcement scrutiny. And I mean, we've gone through certainly elections. I try to do the heavy lifting for you so you know what's going on at a macro level. And then sometimes we dissect it at a micro level. But but this China 
occurrence over the last, I should say, occurrence, ongoing occurrence over the last few decades as it gets bigger and stronger. We must be aware, it must be discussed, and it must be countered. And I think that's what General Kellogg was getting to. And under a Biden administration, you're not going to see that. We need someone like uh, Greg or, uh, Ron DeSantis from Florida, truly. Stay with us, my friends. Two segments down, six to go. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. Southern Bell go by. Swinging their hips and rolling their pretty eyes. Damn, my heels can make me start to kicking my heels up to the sky. Watching the bells of Southern Bell go by. Well, this is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Here come old flat top, here come grooving up slowly. Got juju eyeball, he won. Holy roller, he got hair down to his knee. Got to be a joker. We are back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson show 34 minutes after the hour. I love that song. It's hard not to just sit and listen to that song come together. I don't see that happening though. Do you when Trump's home is raided? <laughs> Lord, phone lines are open three, five, seven, five, eight, six, eight. Okay. This hour brought to you by Pip Alaska. And I have to write to Pip this morning to actually facilitate a mailer for a political candidate. Now's the season for sure. PIP, if you look at their list, pipalaska.com online of services, their menu of services, they do it all, okay, in the printing world at least. I'm talking about not just like a rack card or a brochure or a business card or a poster or a handout or something that might go on your wall. I mean, they do interior and exterior decor. They do, I have a few friends that went to a trade show and Pip helped them in Anchorage, helped them with, and it was out of state. They helped them with all the, you know, the decorative stuff over the table and the things that unwind and, you know, like a, like a, remember the old slide projectors, they have cool vertical ones that you can like carry on, I don't know, the plane and like an architect would with maps, with blueprints, and then you can unfold it. Just really cool stuff. And I know Tom Steigerman, our, our production manager and, and CBI media G GM, he has a SUV with the wrap for KFC Christian broadcasting. He got that from PIP. And then I know that one of our clients at my firm Optima capstone clinic, who, you know, we, in fact, we're going there today. My son has a, a sports physical checkup at 10 and, and he, uh, when we've gone over there, we've seen the RV, they have a mobile testing set, very cool innovative idea from them and they got that wrap by pip you know with their covid secure all the different fancy stuff that capstone offers by the way I encourage you if you go to adn i i never asked for this but i will i'd love to get a vote for best marketing agency for our firm optima but but particularly you know who deserves it for best healthcare services but best family medicine clinic is capstone I encourage you to go to ADN.com and I don't think the paywall affects that you can vote for the best of in that series. And there's a lot, you may see others, you know, for best dental, best coffee shop, best donut shop. There's all sorts of things that you should peruse through, but 
ADN.com offers that family health care clinic, and I would recommend you vote for Capstone. They've certainly earned it over the last few years, particularly with COVID. So let's go through this. Let's go through some of the other headlines. Here's a sad one. Olivia Newton-John has passed away. That's right. The British-Australian pop star and actress Olivia Newton-John, of course, best known for her performance as Sandy Olsen in Greece. And she had that hit song, Physical. Let's get physical, physical. That was a great song. Stephen, can you find that? Let, let me let me see if I can. I'm sure everybody's looking it up on. It, it was a cool song. Olivia Newton-John. I'm going to find it here. Here we go. We're going to play it. I'm going to send it to Stephen. I'll send it to you, I guess, via, I don't know what's the easiest way for you, probably through uh, Facebook. And so I want people to hear this song. It, it just, it had a cool beat. We don't have to play the whole song, but in memory of Olivia Newton, John, I was a fan of hers. They would always play it when I was like as a kid at uh, in the late 70s at the roller rink. And they would play that song, and I just sent it to to Stephen. And again, we don't have to play the whole song, but just kind of in memory of her. She had breast cancer many, many years ago, and it just sucks because, uh, first of all, she had close to 40 entries on the Billboard Hot 100, and many of which came during the peak of her stardom, talking late 70s, 80s. And then she became an advocate for breast cancer because she, for survivors, she was a survivor. She was diagnosed breast cancer in 1992, 25 years in remission. Then it came back in 2017, five years ago, and it spread to her lower back. It's just an awful freaking disease. Stephen, do you have that ready? Remember this song? This was her, her big song. Crank it up a little, Stephen. Remember this song? I love her. Yeah, you can dance if you want. Don't start speeding on me, baby. Set down that coffee. Coming up. Oh, let me hear your body talk. Stephen's going to start vomiting. You can crank it down, Stephen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> That's a li- Stephen, young, young Stephen Steigelman's like, God, did you really listen to this? It's like, Stephen, please, sir, pull the noose off your neck. There is a life after Olivia Newton job, but it, it is actually not funny. Uh, sad. And I'm sorry she passed away. And she was definitely iconic in her day. And of course, in Greece and with what John Travolta. I'm sure he has some comments as well. Cancer sucks. And anybody that I lost my mother to it and it just, it, and she started with breast cancer and it spread. It's awful. So I'm very sorry to hear of her passing at age 73. We'll put that link to the YouTube video of physical in our podcast notes for you to dance 
in the in, in your leisure in the privacy of your home. And I don't know what you wear. I don't know how you move, but go for it, baby. Fun times. Hey, the United Nation calls attacks on Ukraine nuclear plants suicidal. I would agree. The damn Russians, after rocket strikes near Europe's largest nuclear power plant over the weekend, stoked fears of a potential catastrophe. Duh. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the risk of nuclear confrontation is back and called for international inspectors to be allowed to assess the damage. Russia and Ukraine each blame the other for the shelling, which reportedly forced the shutdown of one of the plant's reactors. Russian forces seized the plant in March, but apparently they said, no, hey, Ukrainian staff, stay. I don't know if they're prisoners. I presume they are. Maybe Ukraine said, no, at some point we're going to make amends with Russia and you're going to leave and our team does not want to go. Or Russia said, no, please don't go because we don't know how to operate this. But that is not good. <laughs> if, you, if you need my, maybe you need my, um, my interpretation of that. That is not good when you bomb near or by a uh, a nuclear power plant. We're going to go to Dalton and Matt Sue. He probably wants to sing more lyrics from physical. Good morning, Dalton. What's on your mind? Man, I about gave up. Listen, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, dude, she passed away though. Condolences to her. I'm sure you're not celebrating that. You don't have to like her music, but she was. Nah, iconic I mean, I, I just. You and I are the same age, so whether you were slinging it with buddies or listening to that music like a nerd like I was at a roller rink, you know, it just shows our age. Kind of sucks, all these people croaking. We'll, we'll be well, she died. Hey, she died of that. She died of that new disease. It's called EBV, everything but vaccine. Oh, wait, that's, was a, she, that's a new one. What was she? Yeah, I was about to say, was she one of the COVID folks? I don't remember. That Man, one. they got so listen. They they got stuff. They're coming out with winter vagina. They're coming out with with on the side of the buses in New York. They got your kid. Here's the signs for a stroke for for your kid for your five year old. Five year olds don't get strokes. This is EBV. Everything but vaccines. The vaccines are killing them. Man, I mean, it's going off the chart. Listen. Just understand what is the economy going to be with about a third of the population gone, because that's where we're going. Yeah, I know. And and China is worrisome to many levels because what they're doing. I mean, I've read and watched documentaries like they take, um, you know, what is it from a? a I was going to say a grape, but from the, a vineyard, they take the the seedlings or the whatever the term is you call it, and they've planted them in in the uh in china in certain regions of china and they're like you know what we have those those seedlings from bordeaux and from burgundy screw them i mean i didn't say this publicly but we'll we'll make our own pinot noir and cabernet sauvignon that seems innocuous but it's not they do that with everything they copy poach trademark infringe right they, they patent infringe and they just take stuff and then they they get a you know million people to grow it or make it or produce it and they undercut us and sell it in Dalton it's scary and that's we're not even talking military well so. I had a gang of stuff to deal with this morning and Olivia Newton-John took it well, I guess well so call, call the second back. hour no call the second hour okay. we're out of time now but we'll come right okay. back call next I hour I will I'll be back. back Tom Anderson show good morning to me I was looking at 
the growth of marijuana, no pun intended, in various states and the legalization of it. And just I read different articles on different policy matters. And in this case, particularly, you know that it's Alaska is one of the first right in there with Oregon and California legalizing it. And now we have, you know, pot shops all over the place. And, and you know, the, there's competitions and it's it's a growing market. And the, the science behind it is a big deal. And people are buying it in droves. And even if you see an ebb and flow in stock prices and and you hear about, you know, like tax and and spend and, and what's going on in the Alaskan economy, trust me, it's still big enough to, to take note of. And it's a new economic sector that should be monitored. And we talk about it as such. In other states now, each election cycle, you see more and more states considering, you know, voting on it. I think many allow it for medical purposes, but for like recreation. And then you see cities and communities. We've seen it in Wasilla. We've seen it in Anchorage, the votes at the municipal level. But what about foreign? What about other places? Do you see... Um, for instance, South America or Europe or even Africa. Well, I spotted an article and it was video article. So there's an audio or otherwise I wouldn't play it. I'd read it from National Public Radio. And I encourage you to support NPR and Alaska Public Media. And we every so often, um, I don't know what the process is to grab these clips, but I grab them anyway off a website, uh, off their website, npr.org. And we play them. And I encourage you to support. I like to get news from them. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes I don't. But that's how news should be. And in this case, it's Kenya. And there's a promise of marijuana, a paradise that's electrifying the electorate as they vote on this. But the question is, what what will that mean for the country? How many people are smoking dope? Let's go to NPR on this one is electing a new president on Tuesday, and one of the four candidates is promising to transform the country by legalizing marijuana, hanging corrupt politicians, and exporting, um, hyena testicles. His long-shot campaign is rife with comedy, but it might also signal a different kind of politics in the country. NPR's Ader Peralta reports. George Wajakoyab enters the town sticking out from the sunroof of an SUV. And as soon as the people of Moya realize what's happening, they run to catch up to him. Wajakoyab is a respected human rights lawyer, but he became an overnight celebrity when he announced his run for president. Now he wears a silk do-rag and a big gold watch. He tells the crowd it's time to choose a new direction, not influenced by religion or by politicians. And he offers one huge solution. We have to turn our mindset to look at the economics and fix those economics. And the only way to fix our economics is by growing weed. As he drives away, you feel euphoria weave through the little fruit stands on the side of the road. I turn to a group of teenage girls enthralled by the pot president. I ask why they like him, and they answer by pretending to take a hit of a joint. Because of the weed. Yes! It will bring us money. He'll bring you money. Yes! The adults next to them push them out of the way. Marine Kaonda says Wachakoya isn't talking about smoking. 
anataka kusaidia wa Kenya waondokee hii madeni. Samuel Machida who is 57 agrees wholeheartedly. The Kenyan government have tried with the tea plantation with the cotton plantation and any other plantation but it has not borne fruit. Years of government promises and they're still poor. Maybe he says it's time to try weed. These are comical suggestions but they are all tied to the economy still. That is political analyst in Gala Chome at Sahan Research. He says Wachakoya's campaign is part of something new in Kenya. In the past, politics have centered around tribalism, but this time with high inflation, fuel shortages and high unemployment, the economy is the more powerful message, and even a fringe candidate like Wachakoya can feel that. We step into the emotion of people who are in debt, people who are basically broke. Choma says he's doubtful any of these promises will come true. But the good thing is that for the first time he says politicians are being forced to think about the issues Kenyans most care about. I catch up with Wajakoya at a restaurant down the road from the rally which is already playing some reggae. And he rattles off solutions, selling hyena testicles to China, selling medical marijuana to Israel, starting snake venom farms. If he were president, he says, he would put all corrupt politicians on trial, including the president and the two frontrunners in this election. African problems can be sorted. It's very simple. That's why I'm telling even the president. I'm telling Railo Dinga. I'm telling Ruto. The money you've stolen, return it. Otherwise, I'm going to kill you. You're presenting a very simple solution to an extremely complex problem. Mm-hmm. Are you giving Kenyans false hope? It's not false hope. Mine is the rule of law, just like they do it in Philippines, just like they do it in China. I point out that both the Philippines and China have atrocious human rights records. Why would you be stealing and then I take you to court? Then yes, you finish, oh human rights, human, human rights my ass. Come on, let us liberate our country first. Then we can now do what you have to do. It'll be very easy, he promises. Ada Peralta, NPR News, Moya, uh, we'll Central Kenya. We'll see if Kenya. it's that easy. Interesting, though. You know, that you, you heard the one guy speak, and, and this is reminiscent of the United States and other nations. You heard him say, hey, we tried tea. We tried cotton. Now we're going to try at least this presidential candidate, this human rights lawyer who may not have a shot, but he's certainly popular with the, the, the largest, the public out there, largest, wrong word, with, with the, with the, uh, you know, congregate of folks that attend his rallies. And what concerns me is, of course, it's the knee jerk youngsters. Did you hear what they said? Oh, he's going to give us money. He's going to give us weed. And, you know, they're not engaged. They're not the, the people attending those rallies that, that respond like that are not the radio show listener of this show, you know, where you're more intuitive on what's going on with policy and with bureaucratic matters. And so the question I have is, will those youngsters that want weed and money vote? And they probably won't. You may say, well, who cares? It's Kenya. I'm, you know, I'm, I watch cartoons on Kenya and the Lion King and, and maybe you have a relative or you've toured there and taken a, a you know, a, a park tour, a safari, and that's about it. Otherwise, it's too far away to worry about. But it's that mentality that permeates many nations, many states here in the United States, many cities. What do I get? How much do I get? And when do I get it? And it's mine. They didn't say that in the clip, but I hear that all the time with, drum roll please, the permanent fund. 
Where's my damn permanent fund? More, more, more. And I get frustrated with that mentality. But then on the other hand, I get frustrated with pretty much moronic policymakers. We have some all-stars and some that are doing a decent job and then some that are morons that I wonder how they got elected. Oh, that's right. They came from an area where a small amount of, of people voted for them and they got in barely. And now they're in and they can not quite autonomously make the rule of law, but if they're clever and charismatic and can have skills of negotiation, they can work with other state legislators to get laws through. And, you know, look at Kelly Merrick. She's not the brightest bulb. I've heard her speak and I've watched her, you know, evolution as a unremarkable lawmaker and I'm sorry if Kelly's family's listening. I just, I, I don't think she's super remarkable from my vantage point, but I will tell you this. She made it to the finance chairwomanship of the house finance committee. And that's because even if you're not remarkable and even if you're not bright, you can get into public office and finagle your way. Louise Stutz is another one. That's not the brightest ball, but she's the speaker. And so Bryce Edgman was bright, is bright. So, I mean, there's a difference. And I know Bryce, I knew him when we were eight legislative aides together. But, but when you look at Kenya and you look at Alaska and whether it's marijuana or anything, a popularity, look at Trump. I mean, that candidate in Kenya, doesn't he remind you a bit, obviously different language, different nation, different ethnicity of Trump? Who's now getting raided by the FBI Republicans on the hard right say, Hey, that was a setup. And it's bad news, and I tend to agree. And then others say, well, no, uh, they're looking at top secret materials and this and that. Remember, I've gone down that road, and I lost. The The federal government's a juggernaut. I was right in there with Pete Codd and Vic Coring and Bruce Wyrock and Ted Stevens and a bunch of unindicted folks. You know, the Bev Massicks of the world and the John Cowdrys, on and on and on right through that process, and and it was not fun. And it's very difficult to beat the federal government. So it'll be interesting what happens in Kenya. It'll be interesting what happens with Trump. We'll continue to cover, certainly here in America. And I encourage you to check out NPR. They have fun stories like that, just to break the monotony of talking about local politics. But we will get back to local stuff. That's next hour. Stay with us. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. Babies in the running round, hanging with the crowd, putting your business in the street, talking out loud, saying you bought it this and that, and how much you done spent. I swear she must believe it's all heaven sent. Hey boy, better bring the chick around to the sad, sad truth. The dirty. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA, live and local 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM, your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather, streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen your morning drive just got a whole lot better good morning america here's tom anderson hey good morning everybody six minutes after the hour tom anderson show we are on monday through friday 7 to 9 a.m right here on kvnt
Okay, that's from Matt Suey, Go River Chugiak, Anchorage. Of course, online at TomAndersonShow.com. If you're driving and you have a problem with the signal, you can always connect to your Bluetooth. TomAndersonShow.com. Hit Listen Live. You can listen to us all day long. After me, before me, Mike Gallagher from Salem Radio Network, also with the same uh, SRG group or SRN group because you hear the news, SRN. This is SRN, Salem Radio Network. Charlie Kirk next up. We have throughout the day great shows, not part of the Salem Radio Network, but part of, I think, Alpha Media, and that's uh, Lars Larson, and we have Jimbo Hannon, Westwood One in the evenings. I mean, a lot of different shows, and we have the local shows too, Charles Steigman, Jim Minnery, uh, Rick Whitbeck, Power of the Future, all sorts of stuff, talking about outdoors and family matters and faith and natural resource development, responsible natural resource development, you name it, we have it. I was reading about the Anchorage Health Director, and I'm sorry to see that he's resigning after severe health issues. He said last week he suffered a stroke while working and spent three days in the hospital as a result. Today, he had another event and was transported by ambulance to the hospital. And he says, I, you know, I've got to put my health first. I don't blame him. He says, I really enjoyed working for the Anchorage Health Department. It's a dedicated staff to the residents, but he's got to make health priority and I don't blame him. He was confirmed as director last November after Bronson's initial nominee for the post. David Morgan had resigned prior to the confirmation hearing before the Anchorage Assembly. I tell you, the poor mayor hasn't had luck with keeping some folks in some positions. Um, Morgan resigned on August 6, 2021. And now we have Joe's resignation November. Or wait, his initial hearing was November 9th. I don't know why they're going through the postponement and the votes. They should talk about him. Tim Rocky reported on that. I think this is a poor article, Tim. So prayers for Joe and his family, and we hope he gets past all that. Okay, so let's look at another article. I was looking at Alaska's news source. Doesn't it seem cold and rainy? I was looking at first the meteorological report and, you know, I grabbed that either online or from TV and Channel 2 and 11 News in Anchorage. That's my news source. Typically for most of us, we get our weather from there. Jackie Purcell and all the entourage. And it looks to be like rain for a little bit longer, but then it looks like we may have a reprieve from rain and it may be sunny tomorrow. Could be sunny, and I don't know how that works because then the weather, at least my app, says it's going to be cloudy again and 40, 50, 60% chance of rain. But tomorrow, Wednesday, it's supposed to be not a cloud in the sky and warm and sunny. So I don't understand how the clouds pretty much evade Anchorage and Matsu for a day and then just kind of circle around like a gang <laughs> coming at someone. So... We will see. I hope that if the clouds do clear tomorrow and it's sunny, it stays sunny. And I have a hunch it will into Thursday and Friday. Typically, the weather reports are off on that. Don't you agree when they say it's not going to be sunny, then it is, or it's only going to be sunny for half a day or a full day, then it is for a few days. Cross your fingers on that. And I hope we have sun during the state fair because that's when it particularly is cool. Oh, no, the state fair. I better 
pull out money from the bank because I know Lila, my dad got her hooked on all these Hawaiian facial creams and she loves it. And last time we went, I don't want to talk about it. I was like, honey, my God, you're buying up everything, but I'll bring a blindfold, but I'm not going to cover my nose because if I smell something good, like a burger or a, a turkey wing, I actually don't eat those turkey drumsticks. Do you? I'm just not into that, but it seems like days of old, you know, in the kingdom with the big drumstick. There are so many good things to eat that when we get Steigman, Tom Steigman back, we'll talk about his faves and my faves. That's a fun rap back and forth. So with weather, there's fireweed out there. I've seen some of it and I see some of the leaves are falling off. Please don't tell me that's signaling an early end of summer. I don't think so. I go through this worry every year. <laughs> let's hope not. Alaska's news source actually covers this one. So let's go to that story. With the wet, cool weather of late, the talk about fireweed being a barometer for the coming winter is already the talk of the town. Well, today we sent meteorologist Joe Bartosik to find out if this year's height and color of the native plant matches the folklore around it. The fireweed is already high this year, nearly six feet tall. And like the two colors that we see, pink and white, they correspond with two tales of what it means for the upcoming winter. Let's start with the traditional version. Apparently this might go back to native folklore or earlier, is that when they bloom out to the top, it's six weeks till winter. So they start blooming from the bottom and they can still have flowers to the top, but after that, we should get ready for winter. But have you heard the newer version? When fireweed turns to cotton, summer will soon be forgotten. I'd never heard that one, so I like that. During our drive out to the botanical gardens today, we found the tall reddish stalks with hints of cotton white seedlings noticeably widespread. And Patrick has heard that's also the case around the rest of the state. It's not even mid-August yet. Can cold and snow really be closer than we think? I think the folklore indicates really the predicting snow. I've already heard some up north. There had some visitors from Denali that were saying there was definitely termination dust up there. So it's coming. I just had that feeling this year we are going to get some. And of course, we're having an abundant rainfall right now, which could turn into more other types of precipitation. So I think probably leaning towards a snowy winter is going to be true this year. And where fires occurred in the state this year, fireweed is certainly living up to its name. The roots that are there aren't very deep, and I, I don't wonder if they don't stay somewhat dormant until a heavily forested and shaded area is cleared out by fire, and then all this uh, abundant light comes in and things are able to grow. And even across the interior where we saw widespread fire, Oh, we lost that one. Stephen, crank me up there. So there you go. The, the one is on the cotton seeds. Oh, man. And that means winter is coming and snow is coming. And the other one was how tall the stock gets and, and how the, the, uh, the seedlings change and you see the petals go away. And, man, I enjoy summer. And, and having to go to the islands a couple times this year on business, admittedly, but there's something to be said for that. It makes me, I wish I could afford it. It's just too expensive there. I wish I could afford a second home there and escape winter for a bit, but it doesn't. When you have a house here, and I'm tough. I've been here for 50 something years. I love, I love the winter and I love recreation. I even like snow plowing and snow shoveling and I love Christmas. Heck, I'm going to put my Christmas tree up, I think, before Halloween. 
I just love or, or certainly early November. But I will tell you this much. I, I don't want snow early. I'd like to have a nice September and October. Stay with us. Three segments ahead. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show. Happy to have you with us 18 minutes after the hour. Phone lines are open 907-357-5868-357-5868. Lots of stuff in the news. I know Eric Allmendinger was 16 when he was charged with beating and shooting David Grunwald, and you know what? That is coming up. His sentencing, I believe, that's next up. And I know that Edie Grunwald, uh, my friend, and David's mom, and her husband Ben, my friend Ben, they are going to be there, and they've been very diligent and vigilant and and a sentinel on the whole process. Imagine that. I saw a post back from 2016 of David where, you know, aspiring engineer, thinking about college, what is he going to do, and then gone. And it just shows you how quickly uh, things can happen, and sadly, with awful humanity. And I don't care what those guys were thinking. When I was a youngster, we have Dalton on the line. When he was a youngster, I doubt he ever thought about killing someone for the fun of it. I mean, I just, that's psychopathic and they're, you know, you can't bring David back. So, you know, you feel a little bit sorry, I suppose, for the youngsters if they have remorse, but they're going to do many decades of time at probably at Seward, an awful prison. And <laughs> it's just, it's sad all the way around and you can't take it back. It's like a, well, not as bad as a DUI. And I say not as bad because DUI you're drinking and you're not thinking straight. These, these kids purposely did this which is the most heinous of, of any case or example. But I think of DUIs where someone's drinking too much and they kill someone and they're like, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, but it's like, oh no, you took that person's life, that person, all their work effort, maybe they had a family, they're schooling, all that for not, gone. Happens every day all over America. So just be careful what you do and, and who you associate with. And I hope law enforcement can stop these predators earlier than later. Dalton calling in from Matsu. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind? Oh, not much. Sitting here with a couple broke ribs. Uh-oh. What happened? I mean, I went down into the fun center and got on those go-karts, and I slammed a wall to you know on, the, on my left side, and it broke some back ribs. And uh, I'm, you know, when it happened, I knew it, but I just kept going, man. I got it. I made it third. Oh no! Oh no! We were rolling. Man. Now look yeah. here. I so you know, you know, I quit wearing seatbelts, right? Because I'm just what? tired of the, the government. Well, I'm tired of the government telling me what to do. Okay, so I, I quit wearing seatbelts years ago. And now I'm, I got to put my seatbelt back on because people are having a clot, clot. You know, they're they're going down the road and just falling out, and they're killing people. You know, you had that Congress lady in, in Indiana the other day just get killed. Somebody just came across the line. and um, Or her, her guy went across the line. Either way, man, people are just falling out. So i got to wear my seatbelt now, I guess. Oh, boy. Yeah, now, that's the scary. FBI director. Ribs take a long time to heal, so that I'm sorry for that. 
Yeah, yeah, it's rough, man, but you get, you got to shake it off. Look here. And by the just way, like I apologize for something, not towards you, Dalton, but I was just talking about David Allmendinger, and I didn't read the whole story, and I I was going to listen to the sentencing. I, I didn't finish that. Eric Allmendinger, the first of the four teens charged in 2016 for David Grunwald's death, was sentenced yesterday, so I apologize for that. 99 years in prison. So uh, for, for what that's worth, Allmendinger was the only one in the group who actually knew Grunwald both attended Colony High School together. I didn't know the other three didn't know him, but boy, that's scary stuff. So back to you, Dalton. Uh, hey, when 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 your kids were growing up, or when now you have a, you know grand kiddos, I mean, do you warn them and say be careful? Most people can't be trusted, or what? What's your words of wisdom? Man, I on tell who them they not associate even... with on who they associate with because everybody has friends. You know? Oh yeah, I look at them. Hey, I look at them real good. I look at these kids. Hey, and listen, I even tell my kids don't listen to adults. My father told me. He said, when you see an adult, you better have some respect. All right, you better look him in the eye and understand and and thank you, yes sir. Well, now I tell my kids, look, when one of these goblins tell you what to do or tell you anything, don't listen to. Don't listen to adults. They have gone crazy. I have to tell my kids that. That's sad. Okay. You always take it. You always take it one step further. I, people know this. That listen to the show. I I ask a reasonable question. I mean, you, do you really mean that? So I mean, you you mean that across yeah, the board? I Don't tell them that all the time. Really? So not I even not tell a pod, not that. A teacher, not a pastor, not a doctor. No man. No, no, they, they turn they turn wicked, man. Listen, there's a chance they could be a Democrat. That's a fifty fifty right there. And all Democrats are completely corrupt and wicked. Look here, hey, Christopher what do you think Ray. About Trump? The, the, what do you think about Trump getting raided? Is that more well, abuse by the law day, enforcement? The day Trump let them take him off of Twitter, that was it. He should have fought that day and SWAT teamed him. And hey, he gets what he he deserves what he gets, man. He should have stood up. He should have put right people in there. He could have put Alex Jones. He could have put Ted Nugent in for the chief of staff. And he didn't do it. He put the drop shots in there. And they sold him out. We were trying to tell him. You could have put, I mean, oh, my God. I would have been up there. You could have put me up there. But anyway, Christopher Ray went, and he had to talk in front of Congress yesterday. Yeah. Well, watch this. The day before yesterday, he actually told Congress, he said, look here, man, I got a vacation to get to. Y'all get y'all running, y'all running a little late on this. I got to get down the road to catch this little, catch this train. And uh, so y'all need to hurry up with this. Do you know while he was sitting there, he knew that they were getting ready to, to raid Donald Trump? While he was telling our Republican congressman, look, hey, suck it up, man. I got to go on vacation. Holler back. Now, they're trying to tell you you have been taken over. If you don't know you have been taken over by now, you are completely, I mean, Down syndrome. This, they're trying to tell you that every day they, they went and put 87 uh, 87,000 IRS agents and $80 billion. That is for the social credit score. Those guys are not going to have suits with glasses on going around, you know, giving you an audit. These guys are going to sit, or the girls, they're all going to be girls. They're going to sit in front of a computer and they're going to decide whether you can buy a pizza or buy some gas for your big gas guzzling truck. They're going to, hey, and they're going to cut you off. They're going to say, hey, you need an electric car. And by the way, you ate too many pizzas this week and you're big and fat, so I'm cutting your pizza off. This is where it's going. That's what those agents are for. So this is a takeover. If you don't know it by now, I can't believe that you, that you don't, you know, anybody. 
Do you think that this will cause a domino effect on FBI rating other legislative offices? Or do you think because Biden's days are, you know, two more years, we'll have a new president very well could be either Donald Trump runs again or Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida, and they'll come back and hit the DOJ because that's what Kevin McCarty, the House Minority Leader said, and we reported on that last hour. He said, hey, DOJ, better get your files ready, Department of Justice and FBI, because we're coming after you in two years. I'm sure they're scared, man. They're laughing, just like I laugh at them. I mean, you, you know, I can't believe this is even happening. I really, I, I have 1500 things to say, and I got so much, it's just clogged up in my mind. I can't believe it. I, What's going to happen to Alex gonna... Jones with all these big, I mean, he, he let's say he's worth a few million. I am assuming he'll hide the money or figure out a way to not pay those Sandy Hook parents uh, uh, settlements that he, he just lost on, and there's more to come. Do you think that he'll go off air because anything he collects income-wise will be garnished? What do you think will happen? No, because he's, he's a man. He'll figure it out. Hey, I don't pay taxes. I'm not giving him a dime. I'm still living. Come get me, you drop shots. And what about See? and what well what about Alex Jones and the money he owes? Your point is there's ways to avoid paying that. Well, I, I wouldn't know. give I a dime. Could, yeah, no, I mean you can say well, that. Now, but now if watch you here, a hundred people can do a sweep. You know they can. Do take you know a hundred? Do you know hundred? Do you know hundreds of people? You worried about his money? He's got way less money than what people thought. But uh, do you know hundreds of people said that this thing was a fake? Hundreds. I mean, this is this, this is so crazy that they're locking him up for this. What, you can't have an opinion? Man, there were so many uh, uh, anomalies to that shooting. And you know what? The FBI, they, they faked the uh, January 6th. They faked the governor of Michigan. They faked the, uh, the Gabby Giffords shooting. When, when, the, when the FBI agent played a doctor standing there. And you remember, I was on your radio about five years ago, and I said that uh, the doctor was an FBI agent. I had his name. I still Ron Hodge, Ron Hoskin or something. He he was actually an FBI uh, special agent director, and he was playing a doctor standing there, supposedly saving Gabby Giffords. He was an FBI agent. We pulled. We and you remember telling me, Dalton, you're gonna get you're gonna get charged with uh with uh whatever it is when you when you talk bad about somebody. What is that? When you talk well, about I was talking about tax evasion, but yeah, I just said be careful not to get on the radar with. But I, you know, hey, obviously you're on the radar, and nobody, nobody. Well, you told me I was going to get. Well, five years ago, you told me this, you're going to get you're going to get caught with slander, and I said no, this is a real deal. The FBI agent played a doctor standing there with Gabby Gifford, supposedly saving her. So the FBI has done this on and on and on. We've never seen any pictures of any of these shootings. I'm still waiting on Walmart photos. I'm still waiting on Columbine photos. Look here. And so when when Alex Jones asked the questions, that's all he was doing. He was saying, man, this is another scam. And sure enough. You know, he, he's right. We all well, know he it. wasn't right with Sandy Hook. So, I mean, I mean, obviously he wasn't right. And he apologized for that, he claims. But then they have him with the text messaging and other things. Hey, let me leave it at this, if I may. I wouldn't want to be Alex Jones. Would you? I mean, he's going to be on the hot seat for a decade to come. And they're going to haunt him. And they're going to pursue him to take pretty much every dime Tom, he makes. 
you better not quit your day job because they're getting ready to shut this radio station down. Suzanne Downing, you're done. They, they're dropping that blog. Y'all, oh the only boy. thing y'all are going to be able to talk I'm about. Done. Well, what am is, I going to do when I sleep in then? <laughs> if sh- I'm hey, done on when this they show, shut I can sleep in a little bit more. Oh, their boy. job is to get all of y'all. They don't care about just one guy, Alex Jones. They're going to get all of y'all. Well, we're so. going to bounce, Dalton. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your call. Always interesting. Call her back. Call her back. That's Big D and Matt Sue. Tom Anderson Show. Good morning. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show, reading the news here only in Alaska. Do you get these stories? ADN.com reporting Zachariah Hughes, bow hunting author, pleads guilty to violating subsistence rules in Arctic musk ox hunts. Like I say, only in Alaska. Hughes writes that a recently retired Kotzebue teacher and author of a book on hunting pleaded guilty to unlawful actions around a hard-to-come-by permitted musk ox hunt in the Northwest Arctic borough. According to the State Department of Law, 56-year-old Paul Atkins agreed to pay 15000 in fines and obey a three-year revocation of his hunting license after prosecutors charged him with several counts that included keeping trophies from a subsistence harvest, also claiming residency status in both Alaska and Oklahoma simultaneously. You're not supposed to do that. Assistant Attorney General Ronald Dupuis Puis, with the Office of Special Prosecutions during sentencing, said this is not an insignificant case. Musk oxen were wiped out in Alaska with the introduction of rifles reintroduced from foreign stocks in the early part of the 20th century, so in the early 1900s, and decades of state resources have gone into reviving herds stable enough to allow for subsistence hunts in western Alaska again. ADN reports that governed by the Alaska Department of Fish and Game, Musk ox hunts in Western Alaska, they're rare. They're highly sought after. Last year, in the large game management unit extending west from the Kobuk River drainage all the way to the hub town of of Kotzebue, 46 residents put in for three permits. Under what's known as the Tier 2 system, subsistence hunters apply for a permit, which then is scored based on a number of criteria, like local fuel food costs, number of years as a family um, for harvesting meat from a given stock, how many days of a year are spent hunting and fishing, all that stuff. Each one is a criteria, un for the criteria. Uh, According to the Office of Special Prosecutors, the case began when Alaska Wildlife Troopers, the brown shirts, got an anonymous complaint back in March of 2020 that this guy Atkins had illegally taken a muskox. A sentencing, um, at sentencing, it was argued that Atkins had abused wildlife rules, 
double dipped by claiming remember i mentioned the residency in oklahoma and in alaska and and what the prosecution said which is more egregious in their view multiple instances of not adequately removing the horn a mandatory step intended to eliminate some of the trophy values from animals intended to be taken for subsistence purposes not for a display or for a reward or for those such things so also the animals saw fibrous uh, hides. I mean, there's a lot of different elements to a muskox that are cool, that you could sell, that you could make an art, and suddenly it's not subsistence like in the consuming food way. And obviously, people can purchase from a local store coat. So I don't think that's looked at as subsistence, a muskox pelt. I don't know. Article says from ADN that the state originally filed 12 charges against Atkins for violations during various hunts going back to 2016. He ultimately pleaded guilty to three of those charges, turning over 20 hunting trophies in the process. According to the Department of Law spokesperson here in Alaska, Patty Sullivan, since 2005, Atkins had harvested a total of nine muskox. Eight of them were taxidermied and forfeited to the state as part of the agreement. Statute of limitation rules limited how far back prosecutors could bring charges. So Atkins spent 22 years as a teacher in the Northwest Arctic Bureau. He taught there when no doubt Dunleavy was the superintendent. He retired in 2021 after his son graduated valedictorian of his high school class, according to the Arctic Sounder. He then moved to Oklahoma, where he'd lived previously. An accomplished and passionate bow hunter, Atkins has authored numerous articles about hunting big game in Alaska, the lower 48 and overseas. He even published a book in 2021 called Atkins, Alaska True Tales of Hunting, Fishing, and Surviving in the Far North. He didn't respond to multiple messages from, you know, from the media sources and his Anchorage-based defense attorney didn't either. Oh boy. So under the conditions of this plea agreement, he did not forfeit equipment or property used in the hunt, uh, but I'm sure there's going to be a fine and restitution. And like I say, here in Alaska and in other states, I'm sure too, but here specifically, they scrutinize what you do, how you do it. And you got to be careful. You really do. You have to follow the rules or someone, you know what? Most often it's someone turns you in, you know, someone turns you in. More often than not, it's it's not where you get caught from law enforcement. Someone sees what you did. You post something on, maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's to friends. Maybe it's photos. Maybe it's your trophy or display. And Worst case scenario, if you're out there doing something frivolous or maleficent, you're going to get caught. You know, if you know, if you have mens rea, if you have criminal intent, you're going to get caught because someone near you or in the community sees it. So, hey, Anchorage Assembly to vote on how the city's going to spend 48 million bucks in federal relief. Emily Goodykun's reporting on that. Anchorage Assembly slated to vote on a funding package tonight directly spending and would direct spending of 48 million bucks in federal relief dough it's the second it's actually the second and the final round of money coming to the municipality of anchorage which of course covers girdwood and peters creek and birchwind jugek it's not just anchorage and downtown anchorage it's the whole swath municipality of anchorage is huge 
It's from the American Rescue Plan Act. It was a $1.9 trillion relief bill meant to help mitigate impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Assembly has prioritized four investment areas, Goody Kuhn's writes, housing, children, and families, economic development, and workforce development. That makes sense. Its most up-to-date proposal has more than 65 line items with multiple nonprofits and organizations earmarked as this COVID money fund recipient uh, collective. So in other words, those are the folks that are going to get dough and then they'll spend it. Money goes to support things like affordable housing projects, homeless relief. We'll see how that goes. And then child care programs. The city, it's reported here, ADN.com has now received more than 103 million bucks in federal ARPA funds in total after receiving the second distribution of money. The assembly directed the spending of the first $51.6 million in May of last year, which came amid city, you know, we had COVID-19 restrictions. That was impacting businesses. The money was used, uh, the largest portion, nearly half of it, to fund economic relief for small businesses. So you could apply for that. This time it's focused on directing funds towards projects that'll have longer term impacts. That's what Assembly Member Austin Quinn Davidson said. She's the co-chair of the Budget and Finance Committee. She said in this round of ARPA, we're looking not only to meet those existing needs, but also looking towards the future. How can we use the money in a transformative way? I hate lines like that. Where are you using it? You know, transformative, existential, morphic, amorphous. Um, the calculus is this. The equation is this. The, um, you know, the processes are this and it's all bloviated. It's like, tell us specifically where you're using it. <laughs> Thank you very much. The assembly spent some of the city's second 51.6 million bucks distribution. Last month, members voted to direct 3.4 million. And we reported on this to a nonprofit as a grant to help secure the purchase of the guest house in that hotel's being used by the city as a transitional housing complex for ho- homing or for homeless residents for housing them it's slated to be converted into 130 workforce and permanent supportive housing units after its sale to the nonprofit closes later this month i'm obviously reading from the adn article that leaves the city with more than 48 million bucks Mayor Bronson put forward his own proposal for the funds. It largely consisted of city government spending and city infrastructure projects. A handful of items from the mayor's proposal are included in the assembly's resolution. Probably not much, though. One thing is the Parks and Rec Department to remove beetle-killed trees to mitigate fire risk. That's good. And then there's money for a public transit route to the Alaska Native Heritage Center over in, in near Bartlett in East Anchorage. So the Bronson administration ADN reports also requested in the proposal that the assembly use more than 2.5 million in ARPA funds for fuel costs as the several of the city departments have exceeded fuel budgets. We will see if they do that. Hear the music? That means we're going to a break. Little somewhere over the rainbow is. Okay, folks, one segment left. If you want to join us, 357-586-8. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Tom Anderson Show.
This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Hey, we're back. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson Show, 48 minutes after the hour. Happy to have you with us. Phone lines are open, 357-5868 if you want to join us. A lot of events occurring. We've got the assembly tonight. We've got, boy, talk about events occurring. I'm texting a bunch of folks regarding the the Trump uh, Mar-a-Lago raid, and that's center stage in the news right now. And if you go anyplace, anywhere, you're seeing that. And I'm looking at foxnews.com, and I guess the raid is over. Uh, you know, they got what they, they want to review. Pelosi reacts to the FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort, says she heard chatter about documents, but she also said no one is above the law. Ooh, that one stings. That one stings for sure, because what does it mean, you know, when when you get raided, uh, like I say, I have some history there, and that's not fun. It's not fun at all, and you're get, you're scared. I don't know about Trump. I don't want to defend Trump or, or you know, with his attitude and at times arrogance, he'll say no big deal, doesn't concern me at all. Well, most of us are concerned. No, nobody's above the law. And no, by the way, nor is the FBI or DOJ. So, I mean, he should be concerned, but the FBI and the DOJ should be concerned if they're being frivolous and if they're being abusive. And at some point, law enforcement at a federal level needs to be called out for that. If they're not being abusive, if he did something wrong, then so be it. Then let justice prevail. When we were talking earlier about the IRS and Biden's funding a heck of a lot of new staff members at the IRS, you wonder what's going to happen there. Fox News covers this one. The headline is middle class Americans to bear brunt of IRS audits under Dems inflation bill analysis shows. What Fox News reports is that Americans who earn less than 75000 per year are slated to receive 60% of the additional tax audit audits expected under the Democrat spending package, according to an analysis released by House Republicans. The analysis Fox News reports, which is a conservative estimate based upon recent audit rates and tax filing data, shows that individuals with an income of 75000 or less would be subject to 710,863 additional internal revenue service audits, while those making more than 1 million would receive 52,295 more audits under the bill. The legislation, the Inflation Reduction Act, would roughly double the IRS's budget to increase enforcement and therefore federal tax revenue. So... House Wayne's Ways and Means Committee ranking member Kevin Brady, who's a Republican, a congressman from Texas, said in a statement after this bill was released and the study was released, he said value shoppers at Walmart and other retailers already struggling with higher prices and more expensive fuel to drive to the store. They're going to get hit with 710,000 additional audits thanks to the Manchin Biden Democrat bill. Every retailer in the U.S. who cares about their hard-hit customers should be fighting to block this unnecessary harassment of hardworking Americans, he added. That's Congressman Brady from Texas. Overall, the IRS would conduct more than 1.2 million more annual audits of Americans' tax returns, according to the analysis. Another 236, 685 
the, 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 looks like almost 237,000 of the estimated additional audits would target individuals with an income between 75,000 and 200,000 bucks. Boy, that's a lot. To boost tax enforcement, the Inflation Reduction Act would appropriate more than 79 billion in additional funds to the IRS over the next decade, nearly doubling the agency's current budget. The IRS is expected to hire tens of thousands more agents to enhance enforcement efforts that are projected to increase revenue by $124 billion. So we will see what happens here. The legislation doesn't explicitly guarantee that Americans making under 400K won't see tax increases under the IRS provision, but you can tell that there's going to be really a, an interesting evolution of reviews and such when it comes to IRS and, you know, auditing. And I don't know. I just, I don't know what will happen with that. I hope that it's not, uh, I hope it's not going to be burdensome on everybody. It's tough enough. Okay. We've got a ton of calls. Sorry. I've been ranting on this. So we're going to go to Bill, Mike, and then Joe, if you want to call back Bill from Chugak, I assume, uh, uh, Bill Stoltz. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind? Oh, hey, wouldn't that $87 billion be a lot better spent on, uh, maybe recruiting, uh, re- retention of more military people, which is a problem people to defend us instead of to, to attack us. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, and I wouldn't want to be yeah, audited. I, just, uh, I mean, I, Bill, I think I cover everything, don't you? But, I mean, I just that's uncomfortable, and you got to get all your documents together. I, if I, if you know, I was, I could deal, but I wouldn't enjoy it. You know, you don't the things, you know, you support the police, but no matter how straight and narrow you are, you don't like to be pulled over on a dark night. Uh, no, Any more not. than you want the proctology of the IRS and all the uncertainty. And they're staffed up. You know what it's like to fight the federal government. Yep. Oh, I was talking about it but, earlier. Yeah, that's not yeah. fun. And I don't, I don't ever bring it up unless you do. So I just of don't course. Reference. Well, and I mean, the Trump is one thing. IRS is another. I mean, I, you know, with IRS, I could deal. That that's a lot different than what happened to me or what's happening to Trump. D- different cases, but I mean, IRS. If they came and knocking and said, "Hey, this is inaccurate," I would say, "Let me show you everything." And do I owe more? How much more? You know, I mean, I'm not evading there, but I was. I mean, the the Trump stuff, that's also federal government. So I would say somewhat apples to oranges. I mean, you know, you're a solo. You don't have a business. So, you know, you have income, and I'm sure you file, you know, multiple documents for taxes. But it's businesses that's it's the hardest to go through, you oh, know, yeah. when they're, when they're the, audited. Just uh, uh, one week until the election. What an odd process this is. What a uh, We don't have primaries anymore. So yeah. I'm looking at uh, who's who's your fourth choice. Yeah, I know. I know. For the, you, for the you, first round. You think that you think that like for Congress, I mean, it's just the three. I don't know if there's a fourth, fourth choice. I don't know if they'll have a, a fourth. I don't recall what they said, but for governor. Well, for that, you know, that's now that's now. But but that's now a, a rank choice. And of course, yep. it's, but I'm talking about for the with the primary in quotes for the U.S. Senate. Yeah, it's probably going to be. Uh, uh, Murkowski, Shabaka, maybe Chesbro. I mean, she's not very viable. If I beat her twice, my God, everybody else is going to beat her. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but I'm actually thinking who would be the most entertaining and uh, an interesting person on there for the, if you're auditioning for uh, who's going to be the fourth place on your uh, talent show here. 
Oh, I boy. think I might vote for, and a few of my friends, we're going to vote for Hunky Lee. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, oh, it's Hunky our Lee. fourth choice, and who else is going to be on the stage and make it interesting? <laughs> I don't know if you have a better choice. I don't think I do. Bill, I appreciate the call. Let me bounce Thanks. and get one minute to Woodcarver Mike. Thank you, sir. Mike. That's former Senator Bill Stoltz. We're going to bond. Joe, we'll get you tomorrow. Sorry, we're running out of time. Bill, uh, thank you. Woodcover Mike and Matt Sue. We have about a minute and a half. Good morning. What's on your mind? And we must have lost Sir Michael, too. That's what happens when we're having fun. So often we get the calls in, but sometimes we don't. If I get into news and stories, I I like to finish them. So Joe and Woodcarver, Moose Pass Joe, Woodcarver might give us a buzz tomorrow. Hey, Charlie Kirk is next up, and I'm sure he's going to be talking about the Mar-a-Lago Trump FBI DOJ raid. And as I mentioned, those things are not enjoyable and... What happened here in Alaska with a prosecutor committing suicide and with whistleblowing from the federal government and with shenanigans uh, alleged with FBI and with Bill Allen and and um, just all the different things that happened. Yours truly took the biggest hit and so be it. Bounce back, make lemonade out of lemons, I always say, and and we move forward. But the you know, the event in Mar-a-Lago in Florida, that's going to be in the news and there's going to be a ripple effect. And I don't know, I thought Bill was going to say, what will that cause in terms of ripple effect to candidates endorsed by him or not? I don't think it affects it at all. You know, I mean, I think that Kala Shavaka was endorsed by Trump and Sarah Palin was endorsed by Trump. I think those are very two case studies. I think Kelly will lose and Sarah will win. But I think that the same core group that supports Trump supports them and always has. So, you know, that they're going to say Trump was wronged by this raid and they're going to continue to support Trump and the same people they support here in Alaska. So I don't think that'll move the dial, but we will see. Folks, Charlie Kirk next up. Enjoy your Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening. Drive safe out there. It's going to rain a bit today. Sunny tomorrow. And God bless. The man, he ain't so hard to understand. If you try now, I know that you can lend a helping hand Because it's good in everyone, and a new day has begun You can see the morning sun if you try